Hello and welcome to another episode of Critical Darkness. I'm your host, Skylar. And I'm your host, Jesse. Critical Darkness is a true crime podcast where I read about old crimes or obscure crimes. And I listen. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to reach us, you can do so at info at criticaldarkness.com. You can check us out on Facebook at Critical Darkness. And you can check out Twitter and Instagram at Critical Dark Pod. I think that's all of them. <laughs> that's quite the list. Quite the list. Quite the list. All right. So where this podcast might differ a little bit from other true crime podcasts is that because I look for obscure stories and things like that, sometimes there might have to be a little bit of creative licensing because there's not a whole lot maybe to go off of with the articles that I find. Ah, okay. I get what you're saying there. So you kind of, you're going off of the facts that you know, but you will try to describe in a bit more detail. Yeah, and so I think with this story, so the last story that or we did... possibly your perspective. Yeah, with the last story that we did, obviously I had a big article that I could read from. Mm-hmm. This one, what I want to do is kind of give a narrative of the events, and then at the end, what I'll do is read the actual newspaper articles. Okay. Does that sound fair? Yeah, sounds interesting. Okay. All right, so I want you to imagine kind of what life would be like in 1891. It's a simple life, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, so simple life. A lot of people had farms and basically you'd go out and milk the cows and you would, you know, slaughter chickens and slaughter animals and you would probably have like fields that you would take care of and that's how it was out in Wisconsin. The simple life. Simple life. And so this took place in 1891 and there was a family that had a farm and their last name was Kodatz. Kodatz. K-O-D-A-T-Z. Hmm. So the family gets called together for dinner. They all sit down, and the father takes a bite of the soup that was prepared, and instantly he starts getting sick. Like what kind of sick? Like stomach pains, throwing up. Like, like at the dinner table. At he, the dinner table. He's... he's Throwing up at the dinner table. Yep. Okay. So he instantly tells nobody else to eat any of the food. I thought you were going to say, he instantly tells nobody. He's like, hmm, everyone enjoy. <laughs> nope. So he's, <laughs> he starts eating it. He gets instantly sick and he says, don't anyone eat the food. And he calls the police and... Wait, wait, wait calls the police. How does he call the police if it's 1890? There was police. Like, 
They send for them. <laughs> they call for them. Okay, but like, how does that even work? Like, you go out to your front porch, police, police, I need you. No, I think you just go out and uh, grab the police. I know, but like, I guess in my head, I'm thinking like this this little farm, like in the middle of nowhere. It's not in the middle of nowhere. There's Milwaukee. Okay, but I'm thinking in my head, like, the nearest town is like a couple miles away. So it seems like hard to call the police. <laughs> but I don't know. So here's here's what I'm thinking in my head. You're saying they're calling... The, the only reason I'm like even <laughs> dragging into this is because it's like in my head, I'm like, Oh, look, there's a policeman strolling on the street. Look at him on the sidewalk. But then there's like no sidewalks. So I'm like trying to imagine that like, cop is just like readily available. Oh, you say what? There's been a crime? Let me get my magnifying glass and take an extra look. They were actually quite uh, sophisticated in the 1890s. Oh, am I dumbing them down? Maybe. Okay, but listen, maybe I have just quite the imagination, but I just, like, can't imagine this family being able to just, like, call a policeman. You realize, like, 20 years later, the Titanic sank, and the Titanic was this massive machine with, like, fine linens and crystals and... Listen, buddy, (laughs) I get that, but did they... what, What year was the telephone invented? The telephone was invented in 1876. Boom, okay. So literally, they did call the police, possibly. Possibly. I'm just having a really hard time, like, imagining this telephone in this farmhouse. (laughs) I don't know why I can't. Okay, fine. We can get past this calling the police thing. Please continue on your story. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. So the, the father calls everyone or the mother calls everyone to dinner. The father takes a bite or a, a spoonful of the soup and instantly gets sick. Now, when you say a spoonful, I'm just kidding. And it turns out that the the food had what's called uh, Paris green. And it's a poison that they use to like kill rats and mice and stuff. Paris green, P-A-R-I-S, mm-hmm. G-R-E-E-N. Yep. Paris green, okay. I've never heard of Paris green before this. Yeah, I stumbled upon it um, on some other articles I was reading, and um, it was quite popular back in the day to commit suicide or try to kill people with it. Interesting. And so they found out that it had Paris green in it, and... Did you say how they found out that there was Paris green in it? I think I read somewhere that... They had a pharmacist or someone check, like, the soup. Okay. And they figured out that it was Paris Green. It, I'll be honest. It's hard. I'm, I'm sitting here, and the reason why I'm asking these questions is because it's hard for me to, like, visualize that, you know? And I know, like, they weren't dumb back then by any means, but with all the things we have now, it's hard to imagine, like, what they actually had back then. They had a lot of things back then. Okay, well, the minute that you said pharmacist or whatever, I'm thinking, eh, they called on the pharmacist, just like just like the cop situation. But listen, I'm glad that they could figure out it was Paris Green because apparently it was a problem back then. And apparently that whoever 
put it in there, put so much in there that it actually made it so he didn't die. Like if they would have just put a oh. smaller amount, then he probably would have died. But because, because he would have kept eating the soup. Yeah, but because it made him so violently ill so quick that it kind of like exited the system really quickly. No, it makes sense because uh, he got kind of a fairly small dose from just eating a little spoonful. Yeah. And so by the time the cops showed up, their 15, 16-year-old daughter, Anne, was missing. Well, that's peculiar, isn't it? And so their first thought was that she tried to poison her family. Well, that's what it looks like if, you know, the dad gets violently ill all of a sudden from eating something and the daughter's missing. Right? Yeah, and they're just like, well, where the hell did she go? Okay. And so they didn't really have an answer to that. So a little bit later, the... Are we talking hours or... Uh, I think a couple days later. Okay. So they just can't find her. She's nowhere to be seen. They're, they don't know where she went. And so a couple days later, they had this neighbor boy, Albert Coles, who he worked for the father, and he was like a farmhand. Okay. He would take care of things around the property, and he was 16. And he reported that there was a foul smell coming from one of their barns. Uh-oh. That's not a good sign. So the dad goes out to check on it, and he ends up tearing up some of the boards in the cow stable area, and he finds his daughter's body. Oh, wow. And she has been murdered. Murdered. Okay. So all I'm thinking right now at this point is, like, who the heck is trying to kill this poor innocent family on their farm? Yeah, so they try to kill the family and then the daughter goes missing. They think that it's the daughter and then now, well, obviously they find her body. Right. So was she poisoned with Paris Green? No, the dad was the only one that ate any of it. Oh, so she was like violently killed. Yep. I, I don't know why. For some reason I thought maybe she was killed by the Paris Green as well. No, nobody died other than her, and the dad was the only one poisoned. Okay. So the cops come out to investigate, and they question Albert about it, who's the 16-year-old boy. Okay. And he confesses that he had a relationship with this girl, and, uh, that, uh, whoa, whoa. and that she was pregnant. Oh, and the plot thickens. Oh, how sad. And the newspapers call her a simple-minded girl. Now, back then, doesn't that mean that she maybe... Like mentally like, handicapped? A little bit, yeah. Like on the, like she may have had some slow... Uh, dis, like she was dis, disabled to some degree. Yeah. And so she would oftentimes help Albert around when he was working on things for her father. She was with him a lot. So it wasn't uncommon to see them. No, and so they may have been in a relationship, but we know at least this much that they were having a sexual relationship. 
Well, it kind of makes me feel a little. Yeah, it makes me feel a little bit icky though that like (sighs) to say that she's a simple-minded girl and you have this sixteen-year-old boy. It's like yeah, but they're the same age. I know, but it's hard not to kind of like feel icky about it a little bit. Like maybe she was taken advantage of a little, but who knows? You know, simple-minded is a broad paintbrush. Yeah, we don't know the extent of her disability, if there was one, just that she may have been simple-minded. I mean, she was being raised on a dairy farm, so I don't know. And so she became pregnant, and so Albert decided that rather than her having a baby, he killed her. Jeez. Uh, talk about like just going, going, going extreme there. Like, yeah. So what happened what was the heck? after the afternoon that the family was poisoned or attempted to be poisoned, the daughter, when she went off that afternoon, she went to go help Albert uh, fix a floorboard in the barn. And when she had bent down to help him, he smashed her in the head with a hammer. Oh, my gosh. And then he threw her under the floorboards and then put manure over her body and then sealed up the floor. And then a couple days later, supposedly, according to one article, reported the smell and then the father found her. Albert reported the smell. Yeah. So he turned himself in. Well, he, I think for him to make it look like he's not guilty. He's trying to say, hey, "Hey, there's a weird smell. Yeah, there's a a weird smell out here. I don't know what's going on, but you might want to check it out. But then he ended up confessing anyway. Yeah. And the articles, which we'll read and you can hear, he basically had no remorse whatsoever. He was just like, yeah, I did it. And I just figured that killing her was better than having a baby my gosh that's terrible that's so bad and it just it makes you just think about like like a lot of people might say well the 1800s were this crazy time i mean people were like shooting each other over small simple things right it's one thing for like there to be a societal norm when it comes to like gunfighting mm-hmm. uh, between like two male adults in a bar. Yeah. And saying, you know, go 16 paces, turn and shoot, and you do this duel. Right. Um, it's another thing for someone to just blatantly murder someone with a hammer and have like no remorse and just be like, yeah, I did it. Yeah, that sounds pretty violent. So that's the story of how Anne Kodatz was murdered by Albert Coles in 1891 in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Do you have a Do you have a city? Milwaukee. Okay, so this was done in Milwaukee. Yeah, and it, and it said that it was a mile out of like the city limits, so a mile away on a dairy farm. Okay, so I wasn't too far off at the beginning of the story, and I was like, they called they've on got, the cops. They've got police. 
<laughs> Did you what? They have the police officers. That's right. The police officers came. Yeah, so they call it, um, if you're killed in that manner, they call it brained. Brained with a hammer. Ew. That so, sounds nasty. Yeah, so here is um, one story. I'll read this article from, it's the Record Union. Looks like it's from Sacramento, uh, October 19th. So I think that on October 7th is when the murder took place, and then this is being reported on October 19th. All right, it says, A horrible story of youthful depravity came to light today when Albert Coles, a 16-year-old boy in the employ of a farmer named Kodatz, residing near the city, confessed to the murder of his employer's 15-year-old daughter, Annie. And I will say that some say Annie, some say Anne. Okay. This one says Annie. He had been intimate with the girl who was weak-minded, and she was about to become a mother. Not relishing this turn of affairs, he killed her on October 7th and secreted the body. On the day of the murder, he first put into the soup, which the family was to have for dinner, a large quantity of Paris green. Mr. Kodas ate the soup first, and becoming violently ill at once prevented the others from partaking of it. There was so much of the poison that it acted as an emetic, and Kodat soon got well. That afternoon, Annie disappeared, and when the officers came to investigate the poisoning, she could not be found. They came to the conclusion that she had the poison placed in the soup and then fled. All efforts to find her proved unavailing. Last night, farmer Kodatz, investigating the cause of a terrible stench in the barn, found the unfortunate girl's body. So it seems like this was 10 days or 11 days later. Jeez. So poisoned on the 7th. Right. And then this came out on the 18th or 19th. So it wasn't just a couple days. Yeah, so it was, you know, probably a week to 10 days. Wow. So let's see. That's so sad. That's really seriously sad. Yeah. So last night, Farmer Kodatz, investigating the cause of a terrible stench in the barn, found the unfortunate girl's body under the stable, covered with manure. The boy, Coles, was at once apprehended and today confessed. After the failure of the poisoning scheme, he went out to repair a hole in the barn floor. Annie went with him, and while she was holding a board for him to saw, he crushed her skull with a hammer and placed her body in the hole. He then covered it with manure and nailed down the floor. He does not appear to realize the enormity of his crime. That's pretty alarming in itself that he doesn't realize, though. That's that's the scary part, like you were saying. Like, why? Why does he not feel bad? That's nuts. You just smashed someone's head in with a hammer and then buried them. In manure. In manure. Like, geez, how did parents even deal with anything back then, really? Yeah. You know? So here's another article, and I don't remember exactly where this came from, but it's all similar, you know, on October 20th kind of a thing. Okay. The following is a history of the case now exciting this entire community and clearly proves that for cool indifference, the young murderer equals and rivals Jesse Pomeroy. Now, that might be something that I'll follow up with because I don't know who that is, but apparently it was another murderer. Okay. 
October 7th, Henry Kodatz, who lives with his family on a dairy farm north of the city limits, called upon the city police, stating that an attempt had been made to poison his household with Paris Green, which had been placed in soup. Detectives Smith and Momantis were detailed upon the case. They made a thorough investigation, but were unable to find any person likely to have a motive for such a crime. Half an hour before the officers arrived at the farm, Annie Kodatz, the oldest child, aged 15 years, was last seen, and the next day her disappearance was reported to the officers who made a second visit to the farm. Everybody declared there was not the slightest reason for the girl having a desire to kill anybody, and there was nothing which would inspire her to leave home. Nothing more was heard of the girl, and the police concluded that she must have committed the deed and fled in fear of discovery. When Mr. Kodatz reached home Saturday night, his wife told him that Albert Coles, aged 16 years, employed upon the farm, reported strange odors about the barn. Mr. Kodatz investigated, and pulling up the floor of the cow shed, found the body of his missing child. He at once came to the city, and Detective Sullivan went out, and early Sunday morning brought young Coles to the station, where he made a confession. He said he had been employed on the farm most of the time for two years, and young Annie was his helpmate about his work. Last May, he became criminally intimate with her, and a month ago discovered that their relation would soon become known. Then he determined to kill her. He stoutly denies all knowledge of the poisoning, although the officers are convinced that he is the guilty party. On the day after the poison was discovered, half an hour before the officers reached the farm, the boy says he was engaged in patching the stable floor. The girl was assisting him as usual. Her mother was at work just outside, about 20 feet away. As the girl stooped to place a plank, he struck her in the temple with a hammer, threw her body into the hole, piled manure over it, and completed the work of replacing the floor. Just like no big deal, right? Right. Like It's just crazy to me. Then he went out and met the detectives looking upon the poisoning affair and unconcernedly answered the questions which they put to him. He was not suspected and continued his duties about the place as usual. Both Mr. Brown, who was the nearest neighbor, and Mr. Kodatz had the utmost confidence in the lad, who is of a quiet, prepossessing character. Young Coles maintains his cool style to all callers. When confronted at the station with evidence of his guilt, he cried a little, but to the correspondent he frankly told of his act as the motive for it without a quiver, although he is intelligent and clearly understands the enormity of his offense. He is a native of Germany and came to this country nine years ago. A coroner's jury was impaneled and viewed the remains of the girl, which were in a position to indicate that she was not dead when buried. The inquest will be held Tuesday. So she was actually still alive when he threw her under yeah, the floor. I was actually going to mention that and like try to ask you that, but apparently it sounds like she may have been alive for, for real. <laughs> and that's awful. That's even worse. That just is like the cherry on the top. Like That's just so bad. It goes on to say, Young Coles is a marvel to the police. Upon both of their early visits, he was closely questioned by the detectives and completely threw them off their guard. When asked if his crime did not worry him, he coolly answered that he sometimes thought of it at night, 
but he guessed it was better to kill the girl than to have the other trouble, which is that of a child. My gosh. There is no doubt, but that Coles put the poisoning in the soup on the same day that he killed his victim. Mr. Kodatz ate the broth, but it made him sick almost immediately, and he warned other members of the family against eating of it. There was so much poison in the mixture that it acted as an emetic. Also, Mr. Kodatz would probably have died from its effects. Coles persists in his denial of having any knowledge of the poison, but does not accuse anyone else of the crime. So there's a few, you know, newspaper articles written about it. But not many. Yeah, there's not a whole Wait, how lot. did you even stumble upon this? I have no idea. Well, I was That's doing. It always happens. I, I was doing research on Paris Green. Okay. And, and then that's how you stumbled upon it. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to have to track down, um, you know, the other guy that was mentioned. It's kind of interesting because in the last one I did about the murder in Utah, it mentioned the Hi Fi murders in Ogden. Have you ever heard of that? No, I, I haven't heard of that, actually. I hadn't either, and so I I researched it, and it is way, way disturbing. Like, real disturbing. But I don't think that we'll cover it to any great length on this podcast because it's already been done with multiple podcasts. Interesting. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Essentially, there was these two guys. There's actually three, but there was two guys who decided that they were going to rob this store in Ogden called the called Hi-Fi, I think it was. And so they go in and they take a couple people hostage that are working there. And uh, a 16-year-old comes back and he wanted to thank the guy working at the place for helping him out. He ends up becoming hostage as well. And then a mother comes to check on her son because he didn't come home from work. And so now she becomes a hostage. And then a father does the same thing to go check on the 16-year-old. And he becomes a hostage. I think it's weird that I've never heard of this. And the two guys that were in there, they force everybody to drink Drano. And Wait, how old is this? Uh, from like 1978, around there. It's because they were called Hi-Fi? Because there's High and Mike's. No, it's called Hi-Fi. Huh, okay. And so they're trying to get these people to take Drano to like kill them, but it's not killing them. They have a six-shooter, like, twenty-two gun, and they end up shooting a few of the people, killing them. They brutally, one of them brutally rapes this girl that's there and then shoot her in the back of the head. It and, just makes me think, what the heck is wrong with people? And then they couldn't kill one of the guys, and so they shoved a pen in his ear and stomped it into his head and it like came out the back of his neck. What? And he lived. And the I believe it was the the 16-year-old boy lived. Please tell me these people are in prison. But he <laughs> was so the the 16-year-old boy that lived was basically brain 
dead. Like he couldn't really like be of much help. Um, but the father who lived, he was able to get these guys convicted and they ended up being um, killed by, you know, lethal injection or whatever. Wow. But yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it's it's been covered multiple times and so I don't, it's not one that I will cover, but because it was mentioned in that journal of the last one we did, last episode we did, yeah, I wanted to see what it was about, and I was my jaw was like, I'm just like, yeah, that's, what the heck? That's insane. the The FBI uses the case um, in training, and the the guys, the detectives, actually did something that was unique. They, because what happened was the the two guys stole all of their like um, wallets and stuff and purse, and they threw it in a dumpster. Well, some kids were dumpster diving and they found it, and they called the police. And so the police started pulling things out of the like trash, mm-hmm. and they made a big scene about it. Like, oh my gosh, look at this evidence! This evidence is going to convict whoever did this. And they're making a show of it and being like really loud. And they watched the crowd. And there was two guys. There was two guys that were acting nervous about it. And so they caught them and questioned them. And That's insane. But it is one of the most brutal like murders that you will read about. Okay. What I want to know, listeners, have you heard of this? Have you? heard of this hi-fi murder story because i think it's bizarre that i haven't you know especially with my dad having worked in law enforcement for 20 something years yeah it's weird that i've never heard it even mentioned yeah if you haven't if you haven't heard of it just do a google search for hi-fi murder ogden utah and you'll you'll find it but yeah it's pretty disturbing yeah, sounds disturbing. But anyways, this is the end of this episode, which we talked about the Annie Kodats murder by Albert Coles mm-hmm. in 1891 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Is Paris Green still around? I don't think so. That's probably good. Well, Although I mean, there's, there's other, other things. Yeah. yeah, there's so many other ways. Jeez. Oh, and it won't be the first, nor the, well, it will be the first, but not the last time we hear about it on this podcast, I'm sure. Okay. Well. Thank you guys for tuning in. I can't believe I let you tell me these stories right, right before, before bed. Yes, right before I'm about to go to sleep. Sweet dreams, baby. Yeah, thanks. All right. Till next time. Good night. Good night.